Hello, this is Tim Benson, and I'm responding to the video with Dr. Barbara Moss and Liz Jardine uh, talking about the use of literacy in the professional art practice. I am a high school teacher at Mission Hills High School. I've been teaching high school for uh, 10 years at Mission Hills, but uh, overall 15 years both at the uh, elementary K through 12 um, and college level. Um, so I'm going to respond to a few things I noticed in the video. Um, I'm going to say that um, Liz was talking about uh, communication between clients and designers as being a major uh, area that she's using li arts literacy in terms of talking about color and style. Um, variations in perceptions of various words like abstract uh, or contemporary. Uh, she also talked about um, using literacy to talk about what clients like and why they like it. Also communicating with her publisher in terms of what she wants and why she wants it. We do a lot of similar things with students in the classroom and in fact I'm going to say we do um, in teaching art we do talk about everything that Liz was talking about and then probably a little bit more because we are we're talking about visual phenomenon um, and not just the describing it in a commercial context, but actually how to do it. So we're talking about uh, vocabulary that includes tools and techniques and formats. So I, I, I made a little outline. I'm going to touch on a few major topics that uh, affect uh, the, my education practice, my teaching practice in the classroom. And um, the first and foremost thing, or the main idea I want to communicate is that we, we have, uh, we talk about literacy in terms of verbal literacy, but we also talk about arts literacy. So we think of um, art making as, um, uh, as an, a process that, it, that does equate to writing in its ability to communicate in, in many different ways. In fact, when I talk about teaching art to administrators and parents, I often use the metaphor of writing or use writing as a metaphor. So we talk about planning designs um, in rough drafts and we talk about refining designs and final drafts. We talk about editing and revising artworks as we work through the creative process to arrive at finished pieces. Um, we also talk about um, if we're teaching kids to make art or to communicate through visual phenomena, uh, I, I equate that in a lot of ways to teaching kids to communicate through verbal phenomena. So uh, there's many levels of learning to be visually literate, just as there's many levels to learning to be verbally literate. And we think at the most basic level of, of learning to write and read, um, we're talking about teaching kids to recognize letters, um, and then we're teaching them to make words out of those letters, and then we're teaching them to make sentences with those words that include grammar and specific formats of arrangements of words. Uh, we talk about types of sentences and questions. Um, then we talk about, uh, uh, we teach kids how to uh, create paragraphs with thesis sentences and supporting details. We talk about or teach kids how to write essays, and and then we talk about different types of writing, persuasive writing, uh, descriptive writing, um, 
And at the very, very top of that list, uh, I would put poetry. So if, if we're going to teach kids how to express themselves poetically with words and, and verbal literacy, that's the main, the, the highest goal of art making as well. So through the process of teaching students to make art, um, we start with uh, what is similar to teaching them to recognize the words. So we break down visual phenomena into its most basic design components. We talk about line, shape, form, texture. Um, we talk about how to put those elements together in ways that create the principles of design like movement, uh, rhythm, pattern, proportion. So um, there's a lot of connections between uh, teaching kids to be visually literate with teaching kids to be verbally literate. So I wanted to make that point first. Um, as far as how to specifically, how do we specifically use language in the process of teaching students to make art, um, I'm going to connect to a few things that Liz said. Uh, one, one of the things she said at the end of the interview was observation was a, a huge thing that, that she thought that should be going on in classrooms. And I agree, and we do use, um, it's a process of, in fact, I, I tell students and parents, we're not so much, if in a drawing class, for example, we're not so, so much going to teach you how to draw, because most of you already know how to do it. If you can write your name, you know how to draw letters. Um, what we're going to teach you how to do is see. And that's what we're talking about with observation, working from direct observation. To teach a kid to train their eye to be sensitive enough to see the details in a model and perceive them as parts of a whole picture and then uh, translate that into lines, shapes, and forms uh, through technical execution like uh, holding a pencil the correct way, shading different values in a certain way, or paintbrush, or mixing color. There's a lot of technical... Um, instruction that goes, uh, that follows them learning how to see. So uh, when we talk about uh, observation, I also describe it as close observation in a similar way that when we're teaching literacy outside of the art curriculum, we talk about close reading. We talk about look, uh, looking at the, the text uh, on a first pass, then we get into annotation, and then uh, we really break things down and, and, and uh, find meaning in words that we don't know and then get to interpretation. Uh, the same thing goes with visual observation. So we're talking about that, that level of detailed looking that is sustained, that is repetitive, that goes through different layers of, of what is being looked at and analyzes everything that's being seen. From there, uh, we challenge students to be talking about, to be able to talk about what they're seeing. And that's, that's an interesting challenge, and it's, it's something that supports their literacy education in general uh, through an art class. So students are learning to talk and are learning, or are learning to speak, are learning to write and present about visual phenomenon uh, by looking closely and describing what they're looking at. Uh, we do emphasize objective description over subjective description, so that's another way we're talking about vocabulary. What is the difference between objective and subjective? What are the difference between opinions and uh, statements of fact And when we're talking about an artwork? Uh, not that an opinion doesn't matter, but it's just important that we separate 
when we're talking about how we feel about something versus what we're seeing in something. You know, a group of people can look at one image and all agree that we see the same thing, yet we can still feel differently about what we're seeing. A uh, metaphor I use with students is we're talking about mustard. We both agree it's yellow. You like it. I don't. Um, that's okay. We can both have our likes, but we need to agree on what is objective. Um, we also use literacy to talk about medium or media. Uh, in art making, that's talking about what is the art made of. So if we're talking about oil painting or photography or sculpture, stone carving, ceramics, these are all different materials that have a, a whole uh, uh, body of vocabulary that's associated with each media. So within visual art, in, with, within uh, breaking down into separate mediums or media, we have uh, entire vocabularies that go with those. So we use literacy to talk about the materials that the art is made out of, the techniques that the art is created with, um, also the tools. Uh, we talk about the parts of a, of a design, so the, the frame of a picture, the plane of, of a, or the focal, the depth of focus in, in, a, in a photograph. Uh, these are all media-specific uh, uses of language that, that go with each uh, sub-medium within visual arts and, and, and outside of visual arts too, and dance and music, and so you're all going to have specific uh, vocabulary that goes with those disciplines and specifically within mediums within those disciplines. Um, format is another uh, body of vocabulary. So I, I teach ceramics, for example. Uh, our final project in the beginning ceramics class is a composite vessel, uh, many of which the students, many of the students interpret as a teapot. And so if we're talking about a teapot or pottery in general, which is a functional design uh, format. Uh, we can talk about handles in different ways, lips and the foot of a pot, the shoulder of a pot, the belly of a pot. These are all specific words that associate with specific visual parts or of, of the format of a teapot or a, or a piece of pottery in general. Um, within architecture, there's a, a, a within any uh, category of design, furniture making, architecture, uh, jewelry making, metalsmithing, there's going to be uh, an entire body of vocabulary, not just of material, but also of technique and also of process. So the students need to know these words in order for us to communicate as teachers when we're giving instruction, when we're talking about how to do something, when we're giving a demonstration, but also when we're looking and responding, looking at and responding to the art of others, whether that's professional artists, uh, art in a museum, uh, art in art history books, or each other's art. Um, we also break down style. Style is another thing, topic we talk about with artwork. And style, I think Liz touched on as well. Uh, she was interested in her painters that she hired, knowing uh, a general knowledge of art history and different periods and styles and what those looked like. So style is uh, something different than medium. It's something different than technique. Uh, but it's, it's something that you can see in a particular artist looking at a series of their 
uh, pieces of work or a body of their work. If we're looking at uh, Jackson Pollock paintings, there's a specific style that emerges. Uh, Pablo Picasso has a, a personal style. And in advanced art making uh, with our AP students, uh, part of their portfolio, in fact, is to develop a concentration uh, of works, which is a series of works that do develop through uh, piece to piece to piece uh, a personal voice or a specific style that the student's working with. Um, we, uh, I think she touched on the word abstract, and that's we just uh, are finishing up our first project here in the fall in, in my class. And on the very first uh, actual day of instruction where we're talking about art, we're teaching about art and learning about art in my class, that's the first thing we talk about is what does that word mean? What is abstract? We talk about um, the fact that art is a form of representation, just like language is a form of representation. And with representation, we have uh, many different types of representation. There's optical representation, which is... And I show them Rene Magritte's, uh, this is not a pipe painting. And I say, what is this? And they say, it's a pipe. And I said, but it says, that's not a pipe. And we go around in circles until we break it down and we figure out this is a digital projection of a photograph of a painting of a pipe. And we separate the optical representation from the verbal representation, the word pipe and the image pipe, both mean pipe but they're different forms of representation. So once we understand that art is just another form of representation, then we start to break down um, different forms of representation within art. We talk about abstract uh, as being a word that means non-representational or the opposite of an optical representation. So a Jackson Pollock drip painting can represent uh, an emotional um, meaning or narrative or... or, or idea that may escape or elude words. Uh, it doesn't mean that that meaning is not present in the visual artwork. Um, and we separate abstract, again I talk about abstract as being something that does not represent, is not an optical representation of something. So we don't see a table in the picture, we don't see uh, an airplane, we don't see a butterfly, we see shapes and forms. Uh, that are not representational of objects or images that we I immediately identify in the in the real world or have words to. In fact, that's a test I give them. I say, when you're working on a design um, and you're not sure if it is, in fact, abstract, show it to five people. And if all five of them, they're all going to say they see something, but if, they all, if four of them say they see a cat, well, you just made a representation, of, an optical representation of a cat. However, if you... Uh, get five different responses from five different people. One says, I see a cat. One says, I see my grandmother. The other one says, I see islands. Another says, I see, you know, something, different responses. That means they're all seeing something that comes from within, within them. They're subjectively, or they're projecting their own subconscious onto the abstraction. And then you have created something that is visually or optically abstract. Um, another category of art or another area of art that we use uh, literacy and vocabulary heavily is in the design elements and principles and that's when we're specifically talking about not just what we see, not just how it's made, um, not what it's made with, not what format it is, but how it looks. Does it look good? Is it beautiful? The, the, the vocabulary of aesthetics. So 
in design classes and design books, we have this vocabulary of the elements and principles of design or the elements and principles of art. So uh, we break that down into elements of line, shape, form, color, value, texture, and space. And then you can arrange those elements or combine those elements or compose those elements in ways that create principles of unity or balance or repetition, rhythm, proportion, pattern, emphasis, or movement. And with this vocabulary, you can really break down um, what's going on in a picture visually in terms of creating beauty. And, and, uh, and we talk about beauty as not being completely subjective. In fact, when we uh, I was looking at, I remember learning, I don't remember exactly where this came from, but the, 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 the psychologists studying what makes, uh, what, what makes a, one image more beautiful than the other, you're going to set up two pictures at the same time in front of a baby and measure which one they stare at the longest, and we assume, well, they're looking at what they like, and so uh, we can study this uh, over many different people and come to some rules to follow that say, generally speaking, most people like compositions like this, and, and then we try to define what makes a, a beautiful composition. And uh, so it's not really a recipe for beauty so much as talking about comparing two different images. So um, when we're looking at two artworks and we can, we, we can then break down which one has the, a better sense of movement, or which one has a better sense of balance, which one uh, uses texture to create unity within the composition. And it gives us um, words that we can use in having conversations about what we're looking at, what we're responding to, what makes this particular image more beautiful than another or more successful or more appealing. Um, so that, that vocabulary is, is really important and really heavily used. Um, and I want to also say that the way I teach it, and it's, it's not the way all teachers teach it, but I, I, I think about teaching language and teaching vocabulary. I use more of an immersive approach to teaching these words and this vocabulary. I, I do believe it's very important. I do believe the students do need to know how to speak this language, but I don't hand them a page of words with definitions and tell them to memorize that. I just use these words ad nauseum all the time whenever we're talking about design and, and visual phenomenon. And then I ask the students to also use them. And so with context and uh, with practice uh, throughout the year, they begin to learn how to use this vocabulary. And, and you know, these words are, are, are just words. Sometimes visual phenomena doesn't perfectly fit uh, specific words. Um, again, one of the things that we talk about that the arts can do with communication is communicate ideas, feelings, emotions, psychological states that sometimes are... Uh, that escape uh, verbal definition. Just like when we translate one language to another, if we're translating poetry, we can have we can struggle with, um, you know, what what's what's the right way to say this in Spanish, uh, or translate this from Spanish to English. It, there may not always be a direct translation. So there's there's some variation in, in meaning and interpretation. And um, but but we do need students to be able to talk.
about the work. We need to be we need them to be able to understand what we're saying when we're teaching them. Um, we're talking about their work, other people's work, or looking at professional work. Um, but we, I do use more of an immersive approach to that vocabulary, uh, which is also helpful because we have a lot of English language learners as well, and it's a, a, a beneficial for them in learning uh, their language skills in English to be able to start with visual phenomena and, and work towards creating or, or pulling meaning or interpreting meaning out of it that way. Um, critiques and feedbacks. Uh, critique. Critiques are a, a means of giving feedback and discussion of uh, students' work. It's one of the, the highest levels of, of thinking that our students do at the high school level is to get them um, to critique each other's work. So if we do a project and um, at the end of that project we're going to have a group critique, say we're going to say um, we've got 12 kids and we're each going to present our work and then uh, say the student's going to talk about what they did, how they did it, why they did it, where it came from, what motivated them, what ideas uh, inspired this artwork. They're going to make a, a presentation uh, verbally and visually with their artwork, and then the group is going to give feedback and commentary um, to the student. So the group talks back to the student, um, and the idea, the goal, the objective of this process in a classroom is for the student to be constantly, all the students, be constantly thinking about um, improvement and how to further push an idea or a work. Even if it's, you know, this is a finished piece, you know, the discussion may uh, inform ideas that are going to be the basis of future artworks. Um, at the same time, one student in the group may learn a lot um, just by looking at another student's work and hearing how they talk about that and say, hmm, those, the, that's the way that student visually responded to this topic and I responded to it in a, a completely different way. It, it may open my mind to thinking more broadly about different ways different people perceive a specific idea which ultimately started as a verbal idea for a project. Um, I'm going to give a little example of, of a project that I do in my ceramics class is called the mechanical teapot and talk about how I use literacy in that process. So this, uh, the creative process um, is, is a difficult thing to get students to work through uh, because it's, uh, it's not always that, that we're teaching students to, to walk into a classroom and, and play with the material and, and explore and enjoy. Uh, while that is part of what we teach in an art class. Another thing we want to teach students is how to take an idea and work it out uh, and create a visual representation of that idea. Um, so the mechanical teapot is an example. And the project starts with um, a visual uh, slide presentation where I present them with images of mechanical imagery. So we're looking at parts of motors and tools and engines and manifolds and pipes and welding and wires and gears and all kinds of things just as, as abstract imagery um, uh, kind of devoid of, of the full context in which these images would be seen I'm trying to get them to focus on the type of the style of design that goes with mechanical functional forms um, and then I'm asking the students to start lists uh, I, I give them word banks 
um, of, of different words that I want them to start organizing in their sketchbook in a way of brainstorming um, different places they could find mecha mechanical images or mechanical objects where they could observe these things in the real world and uh, so they're making these lists and once they have these lists I ask them to go to the library and um, start to research these things and so I'm going to ask them to pull up um, images of gears and images of vents and images of switchboards and wires and so they collect all this raw imagery that's cut and pasted into their sketchbook and from there I ask them to go through and say okay where do you see uh, forms from your, your image sources, where do you see forms of handles, where do you see forms that could be spouts, where do you see forms that could be the body of the teapot, where do you see forms uh, that could be the foot or the lid, where do you see surfaces that could translate to the surface decoration of your teapot, um, what's, what unique surface qualities do these mechanical images have, and so they start circling things and identifying things and making some notes in their in their cut and paste images and from there I ask them to then begin sketching I said okay now uh, take some of the images that out of your sources and let's 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 go with pencil to paper and start sketching a potential teapot that you can make or a vessel a pouring vessel and so these are way outside of the norm of a traditional teapot but they are bound by the format of the teapot. They must have a lid, they must have a, vo a, a body with a containable volume, they must have a handle, they must have a spout that pours. Um, beyond that, uh, they have complete freedom to interpret uh, the teapot format in a new way. And so that's the goal being that the student's going to create something that's completely original, something that the world has never seen before, and uh, that they have ownership over. So um, that's, again, another way that the, the ideas start verbally on paper with words for me for, uh, in, in a lot of my projects and, um, and uh, are constantly part of the discussion. So as kids are working through all phases of the creative process, whether they're brainstorming, researching, sketching, or actually building, I'm constantly talking with them. In fact, I would say most of what I do is talk to the kids. Uh, rather than show them things and do things for them. Uh, and we talk about, uh, we, we talk with words that involve vocabulary, that involve tools, materials, techniques, uh, and, and there's a lot of really basic uh, shared common vocabulary that we need to be uh, understanding and using both in the, in the, in the uh, speaking and listening side that we all are on the same page with for us to be able to communicate. Um, so I hope this is helpful as a, a, a snapshot of, of how literacy is used in a visual arts classroom. Um, and please uh, let me know if I can expand on any of these topics. I tried to touch on the, the, the different categories of, or different areas in which we use literacy and vocabulary. Um, but also I want to just uh, finish by saying that, that we are we are trying to teach them above all and above all else to be able to communicate through images and objects, and um, and so that 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 the visual language is just another language, just like a verbal language is 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 a separate language.
Um, but anyway, if I can expand on anything or, or offer more information, uh, please let me know. Uh, thank you for asking me to be a part of this. I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys produce. And this was a pleasure being able to contribute to your project and to talk about how we use literacy in the classroom. So thank you very much, and uh, hopefully get a chance to meet you in person and possibly work on stuff like this again in the future. Thank you very much.